Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. But first, you've heard it mentioned uh, in the news today, that's the free GP care going to be available for children aged six and seven. They can be registered for the GP care for the first time from today. Kids under the age of six have been eligible for the free GP visit card since 2015. But the move has been criticised by some who say it'll overstretch an already stretched system. So if you're currently waiting for an appointment with your local doctor in the surgery, I'd like to hear how long you're waiting. You can let me know, 1800 453 106. But Dr Martin Daly is with us on the line today. Martin's a GP in East Galway. Martin, can you cope with this extension now to the GP card visit scheme? Um, hello, Andrea. No, it, it's going to be difficult. Um, for the vast majority of uh, the children coming in under the scheme uh, are patients of our own and have already had an entitlement to a doctor visit only card up to the age of six years of age. And so we will manage, you know, but we do ask parents to use the service responsibly because it is a limited capacity, there's a limited availability. And we want to be able to see the people who need to be seen uh, most quickly uh, at the right time. With the under six, um, when that announcement was made a number of years ago, Martin, like, what did you notice in the practice, in the surgery? Yeah, well, look, I mean, let's be honest. If, if a service is free at the point of, uh, of uh, use, and that's essentially what it is. Now, the service has to be paid for. The taxpayer is paying for the service. So it's not a free service. But when uh, it's free at the point of use, there is an increased demand. And that's just the reality of it. Uh, there is demand from... Uh, people who wouldn't have been able to afford to come to see the GP and then there is increased demand because it is free at the point of service. So there's a mix of that. But the vast majority of parents use the service in a responsible manner and we recognise that they're patients of ours. I think the difficulty is this, is that likewise we welcome uh, and it must be welcome for the parents who have children who are going to attend the doctor. We have the right in the IMO, and I'm a GP, I was on the negotiating committee, to point out that we have very significant capacity issues. And you pointed out there that people might be waiting for a number of weeks for an appointment. There are many patients who can't get a doctor at all. I have a a lady who lives in the Midlands who has moved town, has got significant medical illness and is unable to uh, 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 register with Mm. the general practice in that area after 18 months. And so we're providing care at arm's length, which is not desirable. So whilst it is government policy to extend free at the point of access GP care, not just to this group of patients, but also to adults on media, median incomes, um, we, are right, we have the right to point out that there is a capacity crisis in general practice, but not just in general practice, but in the health services uh, per se, in the hospital sector and in the community. And it is a reflection of a growth of population of 1.2 million in the last 20 years without a commensurate growth in public services. So if we have a growth in population, citizens have the right if they pay taxes and if they live in this country, they have rights to expect decent public services. And so while people have in theory now access to a GP free at the point of access, the problem will be uh, the waiting list. It won't be same day service. It will be a matter of priority. I mean, I see today that uh, from the statement from the government that uh, essentially uh, house visits are covered. You know, a house visit for an under eight year old is extremely rare. And, you know, whilst if it is appropriate and required, it would be it can be done. 
But to suggest that house visits are just part of the normal milieu of general practice for underage is wrong and it's overselling and overegging the pudding. Dr. Dermot Quinlan is with us as well, Mark uh, Martin. Dermot's also on the line. He's a, a GP in, in Glenmire in Cork. Dermot, what's the situation in your practice and your ability, your capacity to cope now with this good, extension to good, the service? Good, good, good afternoon, Andrew, and, and lovely to hear you from you, Martin. And uh, I suppose the Irish College of General Practice welcomes this deal. You know, it is good for children. It's good for the squeezed middle. It's good for people who found difficulty for finance defined the cost of attending their GP was a barrier. So we welcome this. Ireland is an outlier in EU in terms of we expect expect our population to pay for access to GP care. Most European countries provide access to GP care uh, as, as a matter of right. It's free GP care. Um, having said that, we have, a, as Martin said, a very substantial GP workforce and workload crisis. We have just over 4,000 GPs in the country and all the reports from the HSE and Department of say we need in excess of 6,000. Mm. Now, we are working hard with the HSC and the Department of Health and the Minister to rapidly expand the number of GPs in training. And we are doing that. You know, we went from 155 GPs in training in 2015. This year, it's 285. We expect to be at 350 of an intake next year. But that would take four years for those doctors to qualify. So, very yeah, But what does that mean in the, in, in, in the interim, though, Jeremy, we'll say for people, patients who were Absolutely. patients at your own practice in Cork? In, in, in the interim, the HSE again has supported us setting up a programme for non-EU GPs. So we are supporting highly experienced GPs from outside the EU to come and work in supervised practice on, under supervision for a two-year period and then they sit their exams. So we have two programmes ongoing with the HSE and the Department of Health to rapidly expand the number of GPs. However, you know, there, as Martin says, there is a workforce crisis in general practice and while in the summer months when there's not, not the same degree of acute illness, it may, it may be okay. This workforce, GP workforce crisis will very much come to the fore in the winter when people get acute illness. And we know that the vast majority, 85% of healthcare consultations happen in general practice with our GPs and GP nurses. So we are working with the Department of Health on the strategic review of general practice. We want to double the number of GP nurses who do phenomenal work. We want to increase the infrastructure, the bricks and mortar to, to house the necessary expansion in the GP teams. In the short term, there are going to be difficulties. As Martin says, people are going to have to wait to see their GPs. We are deeply concerned about the people who do not have, have a GP and have great difficulty uh, registering see, with that's a GP. The, that's the point, Jeremy, because like, uh, I'll come to the text now in a moment because there's quite a few already coming in from people who say they just they actually can't find a GP practice who'll even take them on. So what does today's announcement and this, you know, the new announcement of allowing children under the age of eight years of age to have the, the free care, what does that, like, how, how much longer now, I suppose, is the question, will patients have to wait to see a doctor? We, we know with the under sixes, when they got medical cards, their consultation rate increased by 30%. So we know that the six and seven-year-olds with free GP care, their consultation rate will likely increase by 30%. So that is going to increase the demand on an already overburdened service, and that will inevitably increase waiting times. However, you know, we would say that if somebody, particularly parents, are worried that their child is seriously ill, that they should attempt to see their GP, and if they can't see their GP, the GP out of hours, and if that's not successful, then the emergency department. Martin, what's, how long roughly, Martin, would patients wait to see you or somebody in your practice? 
Uh, for Typically. routine appointment is now it's now two weeks. It used to be the same day. So two weeks. We endeavour to see. We endeavour to see. We endeavour to see uh, uh, people on the same day if it's a bona fide emergency. We had a situation where we were doctor short for almost four years. Uh, holidays were not taken by GPs in, in the practice because of that. So I mean the capacity issue is real. And so what we have is we have a political decision to extend, in theory. Uh, pre-GP care at the point of service, a highly desirable, uh, highly desirable if the capacity is there. Now, most GPs will endeavour to meet that demand uh, because a lot of these are their patients themselves. Mm. But we are entitled to point out that by extending uh, eligibility, that does not mean that there will be immediate access to your GP. It does mean that you will have to wait to see your GP probably longer than You're not than skipping usual. the queue. And I would... I would, I would, I would say to people: use your general practitioner service responsibly. Uh, just because it's free at the point of service, you know, if you don't use it responsibly, it may deny a, a, a slot or an appointment for someone who genuinely needs to see you. So we, we we're trying to get it's a fine balance. We yeah. do not want people not to attend who need to attend. But we also want to make sure unnecessarily appointments for people who need to be seen. Uh, Texting from a listener, I rang my GP um, with what I think is a throat infection, probably need antibiotics. The next appointment I can get is on the, is on Wednesday, the thirtieth of August. Just now, or what today, today? Today is what the eleventh. Two and in two and a half weeks' time, what am I supposed to do in the meantime? Is ridiculous, as this listener. Another texter: I moved from Dublin to Carlo back in January. I can't find any GP practice. Um, that'll take me on. We still have to travel to Dublin just to see a doctor or to get bloods done. Teresa's with us on the line today. Teresa, do you think we can cope with the uh, the new free GP care for under eights or what's your view on it? Hi, Andrea. Um, I don't think that the system currently has the capacity to cope for it because I can see uh, visiting the GP service either for myself or my two children and um, that the, the waiting list is there, the demand is very obviously there um, and I can just the, the the plan, this is what it looks like from my point of view. The government will roll out uh, plans. I'm very sympathetic to your two previous uh, speakers. They will roll out public service, which are deserved um, services for the public. And I, you know, I, I run a family here. I deserve it. Everybody does. But they make these promises. The headlines are so great. And ultimately, they are pushing pressure into into private businesses private practice um, and it, it detracts from the waiting list in the public service. I mean, I'll give you an example. It's very current for me. Um, my son is currently on a waiting list to see a paediatric consultant, um, which my GP very kindly um, arranged the referral back in, I think it was February. Um, and I phoned to chase up and see, you know, where the appointment is. Another 45 weeks to wait for my son to see a paediatric consultant in a, in a public hospital. So, I mean, even when you get, you know, the valuable time of your GP, you know, the elephant in the in the room is the, the public service and, and onward services from that as well. So I'm not a bit surprised to see the government advertising on the back of the hard work of, of GPs um, ignoring their genuine capacity constraints um, because it just it suits them to put out these headlines as though they're fixing something for ch- children's health care when in fact they're just moving chairs around the deck of the Titanic. That's, that's as far as I can see. I'm putting pressure. Pressure always ends up 
on the private services and private businesses, it's the very same in childcare where services are closing left, right and centre, while the government roll out very self-congratulatory headlines. I feel sorry for GPs, I have to say. The other thing is just, you know, the way you'd be in two minds about it because my, my children are three and one. Um, so they're younger than the age category that has just received eligibility for free GP care, and I accept that. But this rollout of um, free GP care will affect me because it's going to mean that it's a longer time before I can get to my GP with my genuine emergency with my one-year-old because there's going to be a natural influx of um, capacity absorption by the six- and seven-year-olds that are coming into the system now. For that, as your speaker said, 20-30% extra um, demand will be there than would otherwise have been there under the paid system. So it's just it's, it's a very conflicted picture for, for me as a parent. I just sympathise with GPs, grateful for my GP. She is excellent. Um, and just on another point, just common with other parents as well, when I had my first child, he's now three, my GP at the time wouldn't take me on as a family. So um, we had to change GPs. It took four months. I was pregnant and looking for you know prenatal care and then antenatal care and then for somebody to actually take the baby on as well when the baby came. Um, so now I have a 25-minute drive to my GP, who is fantastic, but there are definite, definite capacity constraints mm. in, in, in that system. I, think people, I don't see any nod to it in any of the press releases. It's disgraceful. Yeah, it's funny, the, the number of people getting in touch today, I have to say, like, very much broadly, people are in favour, obviously, of the extension to the scheme and the fact they can register for it from today. People welcome it, but people are concerned, though, about, um, A, the doctors and the practitioners' ability, their capacity to be able to see people, how much longer now are people going to have to wait? And for those that don't have children who, you know, qualify for the eligibility for this, I mean, how much longer? If two weeks, nearly, from I can see from the text, seems to be about the standard wait now just to see a GP at all for everybody. Um, People wondering, I mean, how much longer now will they have to wait as a a result of this? Martin, the other point that a lot of texters are getting in touch about today, and and I know yourself and Jeremy both mentioned it, but like, what do you do when you can't get any practice to take you on? Um, It's a real difficulty. You are obviously uh, seeing people then in a situation where they're not being picked up early with illness. So hidden illness like... um, blood pressure, heart disease, asthma, diabetes, and people holding off then because they can't access a GP and and ending up in an emergency room where they will receive emergency care, but a lot of these are chronic illnesses in in older people that require ongoing care. Now, I have to say we have a tremendous chronic illness disease program for people who have medical cards and doctor visit only cards, um, which was initiated in, in 2020 in the middle of COVID very successfully. But the concern is that if you can't access a, a GP, uh, that you are deferring um, a presentation with an illness that might well be uh, mitigated if it's early in, the, in, its, in its cycle and in its process. And, and that is a concern. It's a concern mm-hmm. for GPs. And it does increase risk in an environment that's already risky. We, we have a high litigation uh, culture in this country and, a, you know, notwithstanding the risk to the patient, there's also risk to general practitioners and, and their staff trying to manage and make risk assessments on the phone as who should be seen first. Is that a big concern, Martin, for GPs about this? There is a big concern. Potential for but this. I mean, I, I want to make this absolutely clear, just like Dermot meant, the, the, the actual idea that you extend uh, free at the point of service for, for children is highly desirable. Mm. We are an outlier in Europe. Mm-hmm. The problem is 
we need to develop capacity in the system and we need to do it in a big way. If, if, if under Slonger Care, it is projected that the whole population will have free at the point of access GP care, then we need to think big about the infrastructure that's going to provide that care. And the other thing that it comes out sometimes in, in the commentary is, you know, that there were other pathways that can be provided short of senior GP. Yes, there are, but I want to make this absolutely clear. There should be no diminishment of the GP consultation with the patient. When a patient wants to see a doctor, they're entitled to see a doctor with their medical illness. Kira has got in touch to say, I live in Yall, um, where every tourist bed has been given over to refugees. There are over 800 here, all with medical cards. It's impossible for people to get anywhere near a doctor. There's also two doctors that have retired, another to go soon. Total madness. Uh, Declan says there's plenty of people out there who can afford to put all their children's allowance into savings for their kids while their children are being refused uh, medication because it's too expensive. The government's trying desperately to get votes by again missing the point. Another texter, every time I go to the doctor, it's packed with children running around. People are taking advantage of the free GP care. Not everybody, but a lot of people are. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk. We're talking about registration. It opens for GP cards for children aged uh, under eight years of age from today. Vast majority of the Lunchtime Live listeners think it's a great idea, except for the fact that it's going to cause huge capacity issues uh, within your local doctor, your local GP practitioner service. 1800 453 106 is the number if you want to get in touch. How long are you waiting at the moment? to see your GP and are you currently even struggling to get registered with a doctor anywhere in the country? Ashling is with us on the line today. Ashling, what's your view on the free GP care for under eights? Hi, Andrea, how are you? Um, my, my, what I think about the, the free, GP, sorry, um, free GP care for the children under eight, I think it should be done on the number of visits per year so it's not actually abused. And even then, if you use, say you allocated six visits a year, and then after the six visits, that there was a kind of like a nominal fee, you know, applied on a, on a sliding scale. It means that parents would actually think twice about bringing their children to the doctor instead of like if they've, you know, like I've grown up children and I used to look after them, like if they had an upset stomach or a high temperature, even colds and stuff. It was only when I got to a certain point that I would go to the GP because I had to pay for it. But now when you have these cards... They're, they're brought, like I'm going into the GPs and I see children run around and getting antibiotics for stuff that would have been treated, you know, just like the likes of giving, you know, antibiotics for viruses. They don't treat viruses, but parents feel that they have to have, a, a, you know, an antibiotic for their child because they've something wrong. Instead of being before that they actually went through their colds or had their sore throats or had high temperatures. A sliding scale would make, make people think a little bit more about using mm. the number of... So uh, cap the number, basically, yeah, unless it's, it. you know, there's yeah. long-term... Like if you have a, yeah, if you have a child that has, you know, a long-term issue, then give them, Absolutely. you know, the full yeah. card. Yeah, and, you, like, the, the, the GP would know and they'd be able to advise the, the local health department to say, like, this particular child needs to see me when they need to see me. So give them full access. But when you have a healthy child, limited to six, you know, and parents will think twice about actually going to the doctor. They'll hold on to those well, visits. Because I know if I had unlimited yeah, if amount. I had three six visits to a GP, I would hold on to them and kind of say, okay, I'll wait till I really need them to actually use them. 
you know, that type of way, instead of it just being a free-for-all that okay. you can turn up at any time, you know, it would make a little bit, people would just think a little bit more about using the visits that they have. Sue in Wexford has got in touch. I phoned today for an appointment um, with my GP. The next one that I can get is on the 13th of September. Rob has got in touch. I can't get an appointment with my doctor for about seven to ten days. Well, I, Rob, from what I can see in the messages today, seven nearly seems like a very short wait. But they do have an emergency appointment only every every day. Sorry, they do have an emergency appointment only every day from 10, it must be 10 to 12. While it's welcome, the office secretary who answers the phone while I try to make the appointment asked me what my complaint, what was, what was my complaint or what is my complaint? I have to go into the details, which can be embarrassing if she decides if it's an emergency or not. I don't think this is correct, according to Rob. Vernon is on the line. Vernon, what's your, your view on the um, under eights and free GP care? Are you there, Vernon? Yes, sorry. How are you? Hi. Good, yourself? Good, not too bad. Yeah. No, I was calling um, about the point system to get into medicine. That's where I think one of the ways it could be tackled, you know. There should be more places made available. If we're short 50% of doctors, well, then we have to create 50% more places in medicine. So more, try and attract more people into the... You see, yeah. the, the the problem, though, seems to be, from talking to the, the GPs, a lot of people don't want to get in to the general general practice. Well, I knew a girl who missed a particular course in medicine um, by two points. So she got 625 points in her leave insert, and then she did the additional test, and she was short two to get her course. So she got totally browned off, and she's now in uh, London at the moment. Gone away from it completely. Yeah, so... They just have to create more places and if they have to, take, have to reduce it somewhere else like arts degrees or whatever. It's the same with engineers. If you need more engineers and we have a housing shortage, you need to create more places for engineering. Okay, so or you need to create more apprentices uh, places yeah. for plumbers, electricians, plasters, etc. Tylers. Mm-hmm. A text from um, from Peter um, in Terranure as well. He says the extension of the free GP care will only exacerbate the situation without a substantial increase in GPs. I myself go to the GP about three times a year, only when really ill. The last two times, the earliest appointment I could secure was four days minimum later, whereas um, I actually was quite ill. Went to the Swift Care, same day, ended up with antibiotics and steroids. The GP service is a joke. Any wonder the A&E departments are overrun. Um, Anne is with us on the line. Anne, what's your point on this? Oh, sorry, Andrea. Um, I was I was suggesting that rather than issue more GP cards, give free prescriptions for children, because that would save the family up to eighty euro a month, okay. and yet it wouldn't make any difference to the the demand on the GP service. How long, roughly, are you waiting on in your GP surgery to get an appointment? Four weeks. Four weeks. Five times, and five times this year, I have needed to see a GP, and it's been four weeks, which I can't do because I have chronic respiratory illness. I ring up to say I've got another chest infection, and they offer me an appointment in a month's time. So I've used VHI Swift Care, GPs online, eDoc, wherever I can go. But none of those people have access to my records, so. I mean, I keep, you know, I am on top of my records, but someday if I was maybe too ill, I could leave out something. You know, they're depending on the patient's memory as to know what, what the background is. Mm. 
but it's about so four. That, it's about four weeks in your in your GP surgery to get an appointment. Four weeks. I mean, there's no such thing as an emergency. Um, the first three callers at eight thirty get same day appointments. After that, there's no such thing as an urgent call. What about you? A- what, what about you, Ashling? How long are you waiting in in your local GPs? It'll probably be the same. You know, it's it's the same thing. If you ring up first thing in the morning, it, like you're told the day before, like ring the following morning, we could have two or three appointments available. After that, then, you know, it could be 10 days, 15 days to get an appointment, especially if I want to see my own GP, the one that knows me, you know. like it, it, And sometimes I I've, I've found, with the last time I went to go, my appointments was cancelled the week before saying they were going to be on holidays. So it was pushed out by another two weeks. Mm. So it was nearly five weeks before I actually saw my own GP, which is the person you want to see because they know you, they know your history. I don't want to have to keep explaining every time I go into somebody what's wrong with me, you know. So like it's 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 it, like something has to be done. But I I really at this stage I don't know what they're going to do. Constantly making headlines and giving cards to people. It's 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 just headline grabbing, and then it's gone, and it's the people on the ground that have to actually deal with it. It's it's the receptionists that are taking the calls from these people who urgently need, who need to see doctors who are getting in the neck. You know, like it's it, they're the ones dealing with it. It's not it's not the people who who give, give this. Give the give access to this, and, and it's great for when there's elections coming up to say, yeah, I brought this in. You know, it's it's it, something has to be done, and right. what to be done, I don't know. Uh, Mark and Scaries has got in touch. He says it's time to bring the pharmacists um, onto the pitch for a minor ailment scheme, according to to Mark on this. I have another listener on the line. J- uh, Jason is with us. Jason, what's your thoughts? Uh, GPs, I three weeks to four weeks before I can get an appointment. Uh, I'm also a chronic um, health patient. I have been for 30 years, so I'm on medication. Um, I've dealt with the HSE for literally 30 years now, uh, intimately, and I could say it's an absolute disaster, to be honest. Um, the GP care, I mean, it's so, it's so bad now that I've actually had my, one of my, my consultants change my medication because I couldn't get a therapeutic analysis from laboratories back to me in time. So, for example, I'll go into to a, to a doctor's surgery after a three-week wait. Uh, I'll get a blood test, and then I have to wait for those blood tests, the results of those blood tests, for up to three to four weeks, if I get them at all. Now, how they're not therapeutic is that one of my medications, it has to be monitored on a daily basis. Mm. So I could potentially go to a professional, have my blood taken, and put, put, be put at risk because I didn't get the information back at, in time. And so much so that my other consultants have said, well, listen, we're going to take you off that medication and we're going to put it on you, you this new stuff. Even though I've been on that medication for 20 years and my body suits it. And this new stuff, I haven't a clue about. And all I can see is risk. And it's a different, it's a different category of medications for me. So that's how bad it's got, where a chronic patient who has his own life insurance, has his own health policy, has pay, pays for VHI, but has to go through the GP service, is waiting up to three to four weeks to get any sort of analysis on his blood. That is, it's only, it's only, only what's going to happen is it going to be an accident, it's going to happen, someone's going to die, that's all that's going to happen, because someone's going to have a bleed on their brain, or someone's going to have a clot or something. You think people have not, not been able to get into the, the GP if they can't get the, the A&E. See, Martin and Galway says, regarding the free GP care, make it a first come, first served um, queue system instead of by appointment. That'll stop the no-shows and the time wasters. Another listener, seven weeks at the moment to get an appointment in Burr and County Offaly. No emergency appointments available or no come in and wait appointments either. The message while waiting for the Secretary states to hang up and call 999 for an emergency. 
Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.